prior to me getting born again, when I was following the Grateful Dead around the country and uh, living in a world of drugs and hallucinogenic drugs and partying all the time, I had seen Satan in the flesh on several occasions, like actually physically in another person's body. And I didn't know it was him, although I knew the presence of evil like I had never known before. And this particular person happened to show up at some of the strangest of times in my life. And it was always usually, you know, when I was either really, really at rock bottom or had been up all night or had really just had a rough night, I'd go out. I, one time he was following me in a drive-through of a fast food restaurant. And uh, I just knew prior to getting born again that this was actually the devil, okay? Now, I didn't know Jesus. I considered myself spiritual. I meditated on crystals. I tried to read my Bible. I went to Grateful Dead concerts, but I was also into tarot cards and astrology. And I, I really believed in the theory of relativity, basically that whatever was relative, relevant for you, whatever you considered was to be God, that was what God was. And I wasn't anyone to tell you otherwise. Now, that was before I got born again, okay? And so uh, I had had some run-ins with what I would consider really, really pure evil. And uh, I had also experienced that at certain times at Grateful Dead concerts, there was a lot of heroin addiction. And at, on many occasions in staying the night in parking lots and going from city to city, uh, ambulance would show up close by me or at hotels where somebody had overdosed and died. And that was, for the most part, the closest of really what I would consider real pure evil I had ever gotten to. Now, I was involved in a lot of really bad things, but I had never experienced uh, such darkness like those few things that, I was telling, that I'm telling you about, okay? So in 1999, fast forward, I gave my life to Jesus in 1993. And so in 1999, I'm living in Tulsa, Oklahoma, going to Oral Roberts University. Uh, and our church was having a like three or four day all night prayer deal going on. And instead of coming to the church to pray, you would sign up for slots of prayer and you would, you would commit to praying at home on your own during those times. And so I took a slot at three o'clock in the morning and at three o'clock in the morning for a couple of days, I would get up in the middle of the night and I would pray. And I've shared this story before, but I'm, all this is going to tie into what is happening right now, okay? Which is why we're here and what the Lord has shown me for this time that we live in, okay? And so um, I got up this night. I was living in an area of Tulsa called Brookside. It's a real artsy, trendy part of town. I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I went out walking around my neighborhood. And as I walked around the neighborhood, I began to spiritually warfare by bombarding the heavens and praying against spiritual wickedness and principalities in high places. So the first scripture I want to pull up for you is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Ephesians 6, 12. There's one little particular word that I want to point out to you in this scripture that's extremely, extremely important that I was missing. And it's the second word. It's the word we. And we, we together have to understand that God is into unity in his body and us moving together in oneness as an army and as a family. 
There's no Lone Ranger thing in the Bible and in the kingdom. And so this thing that I don't fit and I don't fit in any church and I don't fit with the, with the body, that doesn't work. You have to find your tribe. And I get it. You know, there's very few churches that a lot of us could go to even in this own city. But at the same time, God has remnants everywhere. God has a remnant. For those of you that don't know what a remnant is, it's basically a person of legacy and promise and hope that God has a covenant with through all generations. So even when you think that you're alone, you're not. Okay, so Elijah is a classic example of thinking that he's alone. Jezebel's chasing him down. He wants to commit suicide. Really, he's got a suicide thing. He's like, God, just kill me now. He's running from Jezebel. And the Lord's like, I have 8,000 prophets reserved that you don't even know about, okay? And so what I was doing is I was employing this scripture in this manner for I wrestle not against flesh and blood instead of we. And so what happened was that night in the middle of the night, I was bombarding the heavens and I was praying against spiritual wickedness in high places. And the Bible has a lot to say about the prince of the air, the God of this world, and has a lot to say about rulers and principalities over regions, okay? Now, this is high, 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 high spiritual warfare type stuff. And, of course, I was taught the principle of binding and loosening and warfaring. And over the course of time, I've really matured and learned to do it a better way. Everybody say this with me. Say, there's a better way. That's right. There's a better way. And what God wants to teach us is that there is a better way. And the better way is that we're a tribe, we're a family. We together make up an army. We are a body and no body member can function alone and isolated and by itself. And so what the devil always wants to do is he wants to get you by yourself. I'm going to make this so beyond like simple for you. Just follow me. The enemy doesn't want you working together with anyone. He wants you alone. He wants you isolated. And he wants you to believe that you're alone. Because if he can get you to believe that you're alone and no one cares and you're isolated or that no one understands you or that you're a lone ranger, you're called to do it by yourself, or the devil puts a gypsy thing on you. It's a gypsy spirit. And a gypsy spirit's never settled. It never submits. It never stays in one spot. It never finds a home. It's basically a spiritual transient that always moves around. And what happens is is the, the devil, in the midst of isolation and loneliness, he comes in and brings lies, fear, and he begins to tell you things that aren't true. And in turn, it begins to eat you up mentally. It begins to eat, eat you up spiritually. Now, One of the greatest atrocities is if you have been done wrong by somebody in the name of God. In fact, probably nothing makes Jesus angrier than a spiritual imposter that leads his people astray. That's why he says anybody that destroys the temple, he will destroy. And that scripture, you can do the background study on it because we always say, well, we... That means us personally. The scripture in the context means if you are on a mission to divide and conquer and destroy God's church, it's a bad deal. It's a bad deal. It's a real bad deal for you, okay? And so 
I went out that night by myself and I prayed against the heavens, the spiritual wickedness in high places. And I wrestled against these things. This scripture is helping us to understand that people in general are not our enemy. They're being played like a puppet by the enemy. So what the devil wants to do is to get us angry against each other so that we would kill, steal, and destroy because that's the nature of the murderer. All right? Now, we're going to be talking about the spirit of death tonight. That's what we're addressing. Because it's a very vivid dream that I'm about to tell you, but I'm leading up to it. So that night, I went out and I prayed, went back home, went to bed. The next day, I went out to eat with my mom. My mom was visiting from Miami. I'm living in Tulsa. We went out to eat, and, and something that I ate caused my body to begin to swell up my throat and my, my sinuses. And I have battled asthma for a very, very long time since I was nine. And uh, my body was going into anaphylactic shock. Within a 24-hour period of me going out and praying that prayer that night. And so I overdosed taking inhalers because rescue inhalers, if you take too many of them, have an adverse effect. And so what happened was I started to pass out. I crawled into the living room. My mom had fallen asleep on the couch. And I, I crawled in on my knees, and I was just about blacked out when I touched her on the knee. And I said, call an ambulance, and I passed out. I lost complete oxygen in my brain for 12 minutes. I defecated myself. I, my mom didn't know where, I, where we lived. And she had a cell phone from Florida, so they couldn't track it. So she's frantically looking around the house for mail, finally finds a piece of mail. They come. It took them 12 to 15 minutes. I have the records to prove it, where I was without oxygen in my brain, passed out, defecated myself, and I woke up 12 hours later in the hospital with a ventilator in my throat. I had busted all the capillaries in my eyes, and I almost died. Okay? I almost died. And then I had a dream. And in this dream, that night, the Lord showed me what happened. In this dream, and I've shared this before, but it's going to really tie into what's happening. In this dream, I was fishing, but I was fishing in the sky, meaning I had a rod and reel in my hand, but the line was going straight up into the sky, into the clouds. And up in the sky, I could see these big, giant winged birds, really big, big, circling around the city of Tulsa. And particularly where I was standing, it was right in front of the City of Faith at Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma, okay? I'm standing in front of the city of faith and I'm fishing in the sky trying to catch one of these big birds and next to me are all these people that I know to be respected elders and leaders and intercessors at the church I was going to. And they all were laying down on the ground in a relaxed position and they had their poles down on the ground with their lines up together and all their lines came up together as one. So I hook one of these birds and my line starts going and it, it, the, the, the bird starts going this way in the sky and I start jumping over all of the intercessors like this. I'm teaching you guys a lesson. 
okay? And then my line came way, 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 way down in front of me, and two school buses crossed the street in front of me both ways and cut my line in half. Cut my line in half. And I remember I was so mad because no one helped me. And I said to all these intercessors, why weren't you guys? I'm like getting on them. And then suddenly God took my attention over to my right and I saw the world begin to spin really fast. And I saw this huge bird come down, turn around and start flying right at me. And as it got close to me, it flew and turned into a running man running straight at me. And it was the guy that I had seen multiple times before I'd gotten born again, the exact same guy in my dreams, running straight at me. And what the Lord showed me was that I was taking on these spirits and this, the, the principalities by myself. I had a Lone Ranger thing. And that really we worked together as a body as and as a family and that there was a better way. That bombarding the heavens, binding and loosening and spiritual warfare to that capacity that there was a better way. And I'm going to show, I'm going to tell you what that better way was here in just a moment. Okay. So fast forward many, many, many years to about two years ago, you guys know the story. Uh, on August 26, 2016, we lost a 32 week old baby by the name of Eden Grace. She was born stillborn. Just a few months after that, I had, a, I somehow caught a pneumonia. We now know what it was. Billy helped me to remedy it, and he got a lot of download on that, especially what was going on at our house. I got a pneumonia. I was septic in my system. I, I had a blood test done by Dr. Munson, who comes here. He said, go immediately to the hospital and tell him at the ER you're septic because my white blood cell count was at over 30,000. And I was caught a pneumonia. And I caught a pneumonia from black mold. But it was really the spirit of death. It really was the spirit of death. In a current house that we live in right now, which used to be a foreclosure, we have had a massive rat infestation. So much so they got in the house and into the couch, into our couches. One day, my wife was looking for the remote, stuck her hand in and touched a giant rat in our couch. Now, I haven't told you guys this story yet. So we went on a rampage to kill rats. We killed, I don't know, 12? Yeah. Now I live over by the uh, old Pharaoh Valley Golf Course. And there's rats. I see them running on the lines, running on the poles, because all that open field over there. So then uh, I get a pneumonia. And ultimately, I had an allergy test. Guess what I was really allergic to? Rats. Mold. Rats and mold, for sure. So uh, we kill all the rats, and then I start, my body starts reacting to something. And three times, I go into the hospital with 103.5 fever. One time in 2016, I was, um, my wife and I, after the loss of Eden, went to San Antonio. We were on the Riverwalk. We rented a, a room at one of the little boutique hotels there. We got a deal on Hotwire or something. And we're staying at a, at a riverfront deal. And we were there. And suddenly, a pneumonia spikes again. And I literally spike 103.5 fever. And I can't even see. I'm, I'm like crystallized. I'm, 
she had to call 911 and the ambulance had to come get us out of the, the hotel room right there on the Riverwalk. Three times I almost died, okay? So we've experienced a lot of death. We've experienced a lot of death. We've experienced a lot of near death. Right at that time that I was in the hospital, back, I got, they let me out of the hospital there, made me go to the hospital here. While I was in the hospital, my mom died. She was here, 70 years old, was sitting on the ground, died in a sitting up position right in her room while I was in the hospital. So I've experienced a lot of death, okay? Never in my entire life ever, ever, ever have I had a fear of death until that time. And I'm telling you, I have a three, I, at the time I had a three and four year old. Now I have a four and five year old or two and three at that time. I've never in my whole life ever have been afraid of anything. Never been afraid of anything. But after that, those episodes, I suddenly found a level and measure of fear creeping into my life that I had never, ever, ever felt before ever. Like I'm wrestling with this thing. What if, some, I mean, you have some loss and if you've ever had loss or lost a loved one or especially lost a child, the fear of death is very, 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 very real. Very real. Very real. And what I have discovered recently is that this spirit of death is wreaking havoc in a lot of people's lives and that the fear of death is keeping people up all night long. And that people are being tormented with nightmares and woken up in the middle of the night and anxiety, mental illness, worry, fear, doubt, all these things are wreaking havoc in people's lives. Now, part of the reason why I've asked Billy to come sit up here is because Billy is a seer and Billy is a warrior and Billy has dealt with the spirit of death a lot, okay? And so I just want him to hang out with me up here. He probably has a whole lot to say. I'm sure he does, yeah. And he, and he will, okay? And so, uh, so I really wrestled through this fear of death thing. It's, I mean, I've never, it's, it's like, talk about this feeling in your gut that I can't even begin to describe to you. And it's just so not me because I've, I have such confidence and trust in the Lord. And I, I think I'm telling you this so that you can understand that you're not alone. I think I can tell you this because there are people that are really, really, really battling this thing. And so God is bringing it to the light because now he's ready to deal with it. He's ready to deal with it. That's, what we're, that's what's happening now. We're, we're going to deal with this death thing, okay? So uh, I seem to be doing pretty good. I really haven't been wrestling with the fear of death. I, I worked through it. I, it's called fighting the good fight of faith. All of you have to fight the good fight of faith. All of you have to learn to trust Jesus on your own. We're, we're together, so we lean on each other, but there has to be this confidence in Christ. There's a confidence in the, in the protection and the headship and the love of God in your life. You can't walk in fear. We know the scripture. God's not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, Right? And so God wants you to have a sound mind. They all go together. Sound mind, love, and power. All right? And so 
um, about, actually, it was last Thursday night. I remember exactly the night. Last Thursday night, I'm sleeping. And uh, in my dream, that man appears after I hadn't seen that guy, Satan himself, since uh, 1999. That's how long it had been. 19 years. 19 years. And uh, in the dream, I'm having a conversation with him. Now, I know it's him, but he doesn't recognize me in the dream. And in the dream, I'm having this conversation, and I'm tripping him up while he's trying to say something to me, but I know that he doesn't know me. And in the dream, I realize I have the ability to trick him. Okay, now there's no trickery, but I'm just saying, in the dream, I have this understanding. So then right after that, I have another dream. And in this dream, there's a bunch of people around. I do not remember who they were. Suddenly, a man comes walking towards me in the dream in a, in a slim black suit with a black pin tie. And I knew instantly, my spirit man says, that's the spirit of death. I open my eyes. Have you ever had a dream where you just, in the middle of the night, just bam, like open your eyes? I open my eyes and all my hair stands up on end. The spirit of death was coming to visit. But I had no fear. I had no fear whatsoever. I didn't even think twice about it. I woke up, my hair standing on end, and then I went back to bed. Okay? I went back to bed. I'm going to tell you why that's important because back in the day, I used to get up and walk all around the house and I'd start binding. Follow me. I'd start binding and loosening. I'd start warfaring in my house. I'd start pleading the blood of Jesus. I'd, there's times I've gotten oil and anointed all the doorposts around my house. And I'd start getting into this thing and I'd start praying in tongues right in the middle of the night. But over the course of time, and this is not arrogance, the Lord has taught me these three powerful words. Let's say them together. You ready? Say, keep your seat. Keep your seat. The understanding of keeping your seat is that Jesus is sitting down until his enemies are made his footstool. Jesus leads from a governmental rested, seated position. He's not frantic. He's not caught off guard. See, the devil's already defeated. And I'm going to show you some of those scriptures that he has already been made subject. All things, everybody say all things, are made subject to him. And they've been put under his feet. So <clears throat> he may have wanted to get me up out of bed and get me all worked up, but the truth is, is that the spirit of death is the final enemy to be defeated. He's the final enemy. He's the final enemy. Death is the final enemy. So I'm like, okay, crazy. This is crazy what's happening. So that, this last Sunday, 
there's a guy that comes here that Sunday night. He's not here tonight. There's a guy I know. He had a dream. And in the dream, or actually, I think he had an open vision in the middle of the night. He saw that same spirit of death come up to my bed and take his finger and do this. And then the Lord said, draw the picture of it. And then he drew the picture. And then he met me. And he was weeping all night long. And he gave me a word. And the word was, Satan can't harm you again. And he gave me the picture. And he said, now the Lord says, burn it. Now, I was going to bring that picture here tonight and burn it. I really, really was and show it to you. But the Lord's leading me to do something else. The, the, I feel like my wife and I together as one, because this has been a stronghold in our lives. My wife and I together are going to deal with that. Okay. There's something greater that I'm out to teach you tonight. There's something greater that I want to teach you. All right. The spirit of death is working on overtime, and the spirit of death is the final enemy that Jesus destroys. And so I called Kevin Leal, and I said, Kevin, I'm having these dreams. I said, what does it mean? Kevin says, the level that God is taking this body to, the, the, the saying new levels, new devils, is really real. I'm just letting you know that. For example, any of you that have come here, just to get here, you had to overcome a devil. I'm just telling you. Some of you, a whole lot of them, okay? I'm just telling you, any place you go where there's, there's an outpouring, where it's, where it's healthy, where it's normal, where it's family, and look, I'm not devil happy. You guys know me. Most of you should know me. But I'm teaching you a few important things, and that's that. Anytime you're going to move forward with what God has for you, expect the enemy to do what he can to knock you back. He'll, and you know, the number one area that I've really found he's attacked is your marriage. And then second of all is the fear of death. That's what I think. I think the fear of death. Now, you don't need to be afraid because the devil's already defeated. And what you need to do is learn to keep your seat. Now, keeping your seat means I'm rested. Right here, this guy's, look at this guy. Billy can kick some serious devil hiney. He's not afraid of anything. Am I right? I know you want this money. Huh? The devil told you he was going to kill you. Well, that's not uncommon. And so let me help you understand a couple things. First of all, let's pull up John 10.10. You guys all know the scripture. All right. John 10.10, such a beautiful scripture. The thief, the devil, comes except comes for these three reasons, to steal and to kill and to destroy. But there's way better news than that. There's way better news, okay? The better news is that Jesus came that you would have number one, which means you're not going to die. Okay? Now, when I say you're not going to die, the greatest understanding of life is that you have eternal life. Make sure you understand that, okay? But I'm certainly not going to walk around in the natural being afraid that I'm going to die. However, you have to be vigilant. Everybody say the word vigilant, okay? Because the enemy really does want to kill you, and he, 
Here's the scripture. But Jesus came to give you life, and he came to give you not just life, but to give it to you more super abundantly. That's really the word is supernaturally abundantly. Okay? So he wants you to have this awesome life now. Now. Not just when you die, but now. Okay? Now, even Jesus said to his own disciples, look, guys, you're going to be taken to the courts, and some of you are going to be martyred. Many of the apostles were martyred, okay? But being worried and afraid about sickness, car accidents, your children dying, that's torment. That's torment. And God doesn't want you to be tormented. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. Because fear leads to torment and to bondage. So you can't live in this world of being afraid about your kids and being afraid. You have this confident trust that God has come to give you life and to give it more abundantly, okay? But this spirit of death thing is wreaking havoc in some of your lives, and it's causing you to lose sleep at night. It's causing you to be anxious, worried. It's causing you to lose your sound mind. It's causing you to be totally afraid. And God doesn't want you to be afraid. (laughs) And you can take it from me. Because I, too, am learning and discovering so that I can walk it out together with you. All right? So God wants you to have life, and he wants you to have it abundantly. All right? So, Lacey, come up here. Lacey has really wrestled with the spirit of death. She has had a real battle, and I've asked her to testify about her battle and overcoming it. Five minutes, okay. Um, so most of you, a lot of you know me and kind of just the journey that I've been on. It's been really transparent. Um, I don't know how to be anything else. So I've just wept up here (laughs) for months on end. And, um, it's, it's crazy because there for a season of about eight months, I just cried every time I came and I was like, they're going to think I'm a mess, but I didn't, I couldn't be anything else. This house is real and this is real family. And even if you say nothing, the family that loves you well and hears straight from the Lord knows to pray for you. Um, but in this season, I got, I got sick. I, I had been sick. We was diagnosed with Graves' disease, had a thyroid thing, had it radiated, went through a, about a year of a health battle with that, got cleared to work out, was really excited about health. Um, and the enemy's really strategic. So he knew, right? He knew how excited I was. He knew that I was rejoicing and praising God for my health. And then it took a really crazy turn. I was hospitalized. Um, Immediately, the nurse in triage just spoke death, you know? Oh, it's this. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's this. And And then it was the same word. It was the same word. It was the same word. And it's crazy because the word they were speaking was, oh, it's a mess. I had numbness. That's that was my symptom. Oh, it's a mess. It's a mess. The enemy knows that I have a nurse for a husband who um, had cancer there for three days. <laughs> um, had a surgery. Was gone. We don't even really process that season. But the only the only disease that I've ever heard him say, "Oh, that's a horrific disease," was a mess. That was the word that the nurse spoke. She didn't know. Then the next nurse, then the next nurse, then the guy that took me back for my MRI. So it began to eat away at me. Um, 
I have all these symptoms. They're getting worse. They don't know what it is. They run all these blood tests. All these crazy things are happening. But the worst torment was in my mind, and it was an attack of the enemy. Yeah, the symptoms sucked, and they were there, and it was painful. And sometimes the pain, it literally kept me up, but it was the enemy's attacks. I remember one day driving to Walgreens on my conference break. I teach high school for my third pain medication, and I'm on all these meds, nerve blockers, gabapentin, all those things. And I'm driving and I'm exiting Rodfield and the enemy immediately, as clear as day, showed me a vision of me, my current age, in a deathbed. And all three of my children who were their current age telling me bye. And it ripped my heart out of my chest. And I was driving up to, I literally screamed. It was so real. It was so real. And I screamed, I can't scream that loud into the mic, but I just screamed, you're a liar, you're a liar. And he would go on, he would wake me up with torment. I would wake up, my whole body would feel like it was on fire. I texted friends of the house and they just prayed for me. But guys, if you're in that season, you gotta get in relationship with your family because they could speak life for me when I couldn't pray for myself. Like when you're in the fight and the battle, he's strategic. He's attacking you when you're down for a reason. And I had Lisa and Marlene and Connie and Sharon and all these and Don and these people that would text me back at 3 a.m. already praying for me, already in the fight, staying up all night on my behalf sometimes saying, I'm fighting for you. I'm praying for you. I have supernatural grace to do this because the Lord's giving it to me. And I walked through that season of torment. And, and I, I've, I had the spirit of death in my bedroom. I remember one time crying out to God. I had been in prayer and reading my Bible for an hour and a half. Jeff came in. He prayed over me. Really sweet prayer. I'm in a good place. I have peace. I laid down. And immediately I saw myself morph into the shell of a person over a walker. And the enemy said, it's MS. That's what it is. And I lunged out of bed and I wept and I screamed and into my carpet for over an hour. My husband couldn't recognize me. He said, I don't, you're not my wife right now. I'm looking at your eyes, but it's not you. And I was like, what? It's me. It's me. And he was like, it's not you. It was an absolute overcoming of the spirit of death. And we all have a history. We all have someone that's been touched by death, sickness, the same sickness my mom died of traumatically. We found her a day and a half later. I was diagnosed with 19 years earlier. It touches us. It's close to us. But the Lord showed me what I say goes. What I say goes. I didn't have a diagnosis. No one ever could tell me what it was. But Morgan Bartell prophesied over me, they're never going to have a name for this. But you're going to walk in fullness of joy. And the the prophetic words of this house and the intercessors of this house got me through a season where I could hardly have faith for myself. I could hardly put one foot in front of the other. Guys, there's no shame. There's no shame because it's the attack of the enemy. It's not that you're not strong enough in your faith. You didn't do anything wrong. It's not that. It's that he comes for those he sees as a threat. Andrew Womack says, if you're going through this life and you don't run into the enemy a time or two, you're going in the wrong direction. So it it was a confirmation. But guys, I say that I'm still walking out a season of just what my health looks like. But here's the thing. Without a family, I was at my end. Without a family, I cried to my brother and my car, ready to end it. 
not because I had any plans to, but because the visions in my mind were so real. I didn't want my children to see that. It felt like a protective instinct. So you have to be in family. It's very real when you're in it. The Lord showed me later it's not. You're in the best, most synthetic form of a, like a video game. You know, you're in something that the enemy has put in your mind and it's not real. Because what does the Bible say? What does the Lord say? I'm his daughter. I have access to everything that he has. He desires me hold. He desires me healed. He doesn't get to say what happens to me in the end. Anxiety is envisioning a world, a future world that doesn't exist. In theory, tomorrow is not real. So to envision a world that doesn't exist where God is not present in it, there's hopelessness in that. Anything that comes my way, here's where I went. This is how I kind of have walked through this season and we're still walking it out. But I began to envision every fear. What is the fear? God would be there. The fear of a diagnosis, the fear of a phone call that brings you to your knees, the fear that your spouse isn't going to make it home, God would meet me there. There is no fear that God would not be present even in that moment. Though we don't believe those are his will, he would have the abundance of grace. And for those of you that have walked with the Lord for a long time, you know that the, the capacity of his heart that you meet in the valley of the shadow of death is so different than on the mountaintop. It almost makes you thankful that you went through it because it is so precious. He will meet you there. So I'm just going to share a couple of things. I'm going to ask Billy to, to kind of share a word with you, what he has been saying. You know, Billy built this church. Did you guys know that? This guy right here. Yeah. Right here. Not, not a thing you see. Not a thing you see. And there was a spirit of death in this church back in the bathroom. They almost were 100% sure of that when they opened up underneath they had to bust all the concrete under the toilets that they were going to find a body. Remember that? There was one major hang-up in this whole thing. It was the bathroom, <clears throat> which has a really important meaning. I'll let Billy share for a minute or two here in just a second. Let's just quickly talk about death, can we? I mean, what an exciting topic. <laughs> but I'll make it somewhat exciting for you, and here's how I'll do it. We'll start out first. Where did, how did death even begin? So death started, the, the word was never even mentioned until Genesis 2.17. And God mentioned it first. And he basically said, you're going to tend and keep the garden. You're going to be a gardener. And he says, you can eat of any tree in the garden except for this one tree, because the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Okay? So death began in the garden when Adam and Eve made the choice to eat from the wrong tree, okay? And so that act that they made together, what they did together at that tree, infected all the world with the poison. i just keep it really simple for you, all right? Romans 5.12. Romans 5.12 says that through one man, Adam, sin entered the world. 
and death through sin. Death through sin. Okay? And thus death spread to all men because all sin. Now, I use this example a lot. Just keep it really simple for you. My little kids that I, I mean, they're born into my world. I'm super fired up for Jesus. I know the world. I walk extravagant spiritually. Have had every opportunity to know Jesus and know all the benefits, but they were born in sin. Hence, they'll have to be born again. How can I prove it to you? Well, just hang around them for any period of time. <laughs> and you'll see a little bit of punching, a little bit of kicking, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. All these little things that kids have to learn not to do. It's not okay to lie. It's not okay to steal. We're walking. I don't know. We were at some department store the other day or Walmart. I don't even know where we were. And I don't even know where my son got this. I have no idea. But he really wanted a toy. And I said, listen, we've already spent the money on it. He, he says out loud, that's okay. We'll just steal it from someone else. <laughs> listen, he is four. Okay. No, he just, and he's really was innocent in it. Like he really, he's never stole anything ever. He doesn't have a little thieving thing going on. He's just thinking to himself, I know an easy way to get some cash. <laughs> he's hustling at four. <laughs> he needs Jesus. Okay. So I, I keep it, I want you to understand the simplicity of it. All right? Yeah, he's in process. The point is, is that everybody was born with a carnal nature. The word carnal, it's important that you unlearn this one word, carnal. It's such a, 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 an important word, and you can look it up, at, you know, go to your concordance and uh, do a word search in your version Bible. Go to BibleGateway.com. I use it all the time. And I think of words, I'm like, I want to understand context of these words. So I look up the word carnal, and I look it up in the uh, Greek and the Blue Letter Bible, and I learn that carnal literally means, comes from the word carnivore, it means flesh, and it means human nature. So if you've ever said, well, that's just human nature. Not if you're born again. Because if you're born again, that old human nature has to die. You get a new nature in Christ. Everybody say, new nature. new nature. So God transforms you and changes you into somebody new. And so if you're battling a lot of these old mindsets, that's old nature, old characteristics, and that person has to die. Say, the old me, the old me. Has, to has to die. Now, you guys get all the benefits of the new me. You didn't want to know the old me. And if you knew the old me, I wouldn't be here in this microphone. I was a hustler. I was a calm man. I was a womanizer. I was a drug addict. It was all about me, myself, and I. And that's the world system is self-preservation. But Jesus transforms you. Jesus makes you into somebody new. So those things you're wrestling with, sleepless nights, anxiety, mental illness, God can transform your mind. It takes some time. It takes discipline. It takes study. It takes giving yourself. And it takes understanding who you really fully are in Christ, okay? 
Romans 5, verse 15. We'll jump down a few scriptures. The free gift is not like the offense. The offense was what Adam did, but Jesus came and gave you a free gift, okay? That free gift is life. It's eternal life. For by one man's offense, many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in, what's condemnation? Death. So what Adam did released the spirit of death on earth. We're gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to tackle the root of death. Because to come to the place where you fear death no more can only happen when you fully understand what Christ did and who you are now and the authority you've been given on earth. See, the way that we're going to defeat this last, which really has been defeated, but the final enemy is the spirit of death. So why am I having that dream? Because of where we're going as a body. So Kevin says, What's about to happen with Rock City in the city is, is you're now dealing with a whole nother level. And guess how we're going to deal with it? Not through a lot of you. We're not going to march around and spiritually cut ourselves. What we're going to do is we're going to do it through rest and authority and power and understanding that yes, we have the ability to bind and loose. Whatever we bind and loose, we've been given the keys yes. to the authority. We've been given the keys to the kingdom and have authority on earth. Yes. So my authority, by my authority, I'm never freaked out. You're never freaked out. Instead, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. And God wants all of us to enter into his rest and you lead best from rest. Because what some of you are doing, you actually have a slave master mentality towards God and you see God from a warped perspective and so you're crying out all night, confessing scripture all night long and you're actually doing it out of fear. I was up all night quoting, God, you've not given me a spirit of fear. And when I went to bed, I was tormented. And every night I'm crying out and every night I'm tormented. Something is amiss, wouldn't you say? There's a better way. Everybody say there's a better way. Brad told the story about a demon coming into his room. He got up, looked up, said, oh, it's you again. And went, roll back over, went back to bed. Because the point is, is you're the, we're the ones that give it authority or don't give it authority. The, the sin that infected mankind resulted in condemnation. But look at this. But the free gift, everybody say the free gift, which came from many offenses resulted in justification. Because Jesus took all that on the cross. He took all that on the cross, okay? Let's just go to verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. So the law was put into place. The Old Testament law, which is actually called, listen to the title given to the Old Testament law. You ready? The law of sin and death. So the law was put into place to reveal the depravity of mankind and ultimately became a tutor. So it says the law entered that defense might abound because where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. There's a comparison. Sin came through Adam. 
Grace came through Jesus. Where there was sin abounding through Adam, here came way, 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 whoa, way, bit much more grace. And if you don't see the fact that God has given you empowering grace to overcome all those struggles and challenges that you wrestle with, you're never going to rest. Because you know what's going to happen when I leave here tonight? You think, the de- you think that I'm not a target? Who cares? What I do is I don't give a place to the spirit of death because I'm going to show you here in a minute, the sting of death is sin. The sting of death is sin. That's why the scripture says, oh, death, where is thy sting? Because Jesus, through his death, conquered death because he resurrected. <laughs> this is the core of the gospel. You're going to get this. You will get it over time. I know it's a lot. I know I'm giving you guys a lot. Some of you are like, whoa, man, it's like crazy. But if you can learn the doctrinal understanding of the good news of the gospel, that Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave, and now greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So, verse 21, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. Galatians 3.19. What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions. Till the seed from the promised garden, I love that the word is you seed, the promise all the way from the garden should come to whose promise was made and it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator, meaning it was confirmed and it's yes and amen and nothing can take it away. The law was put into place as a tutor that ultimately would bring you to Christ and reveal the depravity and humanity of brokenness. That's why it was called the law of sin and death, but now you live in the law of life and liberty. I've been set free from the spirit of death. You've been set free from the spirit of death does not have a grip on you because of what Jesus did on the cross. Now, can you return back to that sin? Sure. But when you're born again, check this out. When you get born again, you go from a sinner to a saint. And I I don't have time to, to show you all this doctrinally. But when you get born again, you go from a sinner to a saint. A sinner is someone who continuously is a practicer of sin. I'm not talking about you're wrestling, you're learning, you're growing, old you's dying, man, you slipped up, you had a hiccup. That's why there's grace, there's forgiveness, where sin abounded. There's way, 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 way more grace. Yes, sin will kill you, but now you've moved out of being a practicer of sin. And now conviction sets in. And now you say yes to the conviction and you stop being double-minded and giving in because listen, sin will kill you, but just as fast as you sinned, there was forgiveness. And you're still eating from the wrong tree if you sin, and then for a week you're confessing your sin, hoping God will forgive you. Wrong tree. Warped, warped understanding about who God is. We got all these crazy mindsets. You're a son, you're a daughter, and if you, anybody here, who has kids here? Let me tell you. You singles and those getting married or just married or those that don't have kids, Mark my words. 
you're going to have a whole new understanding about God's love when you have kids. I'm just telling you right now, you'll have a whole new understanding about God's love when you have kids, okay? So I'll just show you a couple more scriptures, and then Billy's going to say something. First, and then we're going to pray. See, here's another thing I want you to understand. Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And you go, I've been believing a lie. If you have been believing a lie or somebody's telling you, wouldn't you want to know? Yes. Once you know it's a lie, you go, ah, I've been lied to. So in the middle of the night, I could have freaked out. What's happening to my kids? Oh, my gosh, freak out, freak out. Somebody's going to die. Somebody could die. Somebody could die. Listen, your statistics of dying in a car accident, if you did some research, you wouldn't drive again. You cannot live in a world of fear. You can't live in a world of anxiety. Anxiety is the opposite of trust and rest. You're anxious. That's why God says be anxious for nothing. But in all things, instead of anxious, instead of anxiety, what you have is constant communion in prayer. Supplication is agreement with who the Lord is and what he says. So now I'm in agreement with him. I'm in agreement with him. So, well, pastor, you never know. You know what? I don't ever know, but I don't ever care because I love Jesus and I'm not reckless. I'm not reckless. You know what I mean by reckless? Reckless is like I'll drive 120 on State Highway 361 on a Labor Day weekend. I mean, you just want to be an idiot, do that right? Check this out. Now, I'm not going to read to you. I have it down here, but you need, you guys should go read 1 Corinthians 15. And the verses, we're going to read verse 56. The scripture before says, oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, Hades, where's your victory? And what it's talking about is the, is the corruptible puts on the incorruptible. The mortal puts on the immortal. And now we become clothed in righteousness. <clears throat> this is what happens when you get born again. And then it says this powerful word. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But here's the best gospel truth you could ever get. He set you free from that. This is the essence of the gospel. It's, I, it's going to take a little some mental strength for you to get, grasp it to a certain degree. The strength of the gospel is you're no longer under the law of sin and death when you're born again. So why in the world would I be afraid of death? There's, you, I'm not being arrogant and haughty. What I'm saying to you is scriptural understanding. Jesus came to give you life, and he came to give you more abundantly. A lot of great scriptures here. Verse 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the... It's not coming up on the screen. Who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm not fighting for victory. I'm fighting from a place of victory. My wake up, my hair stands up on end. I'm like, 
Okay. Because, see, I didn't have any fear in the dream. I had no fear. I had no fear. Fear is a huge indicator of things going on in your heart. And if you can really understand that, you really don't have anything to be afraid of because fear really is false evidence appearing real. Anybody that says, man, I prayed and God didn't come through for me, I said, tell me when because God always comes through. Well, I had a relative that had cancer and she passed away. I said, well, God, she happened to have been healed just a different way. And you know what I know is earth's not our home. We're just pilgrims and strangers and sojourners passing through. You can't give me any good reason ever to fear or to doubt and not believe that God will watch out for you. My wife and I have these conversations like, well, what about Eden? What about, you know, you know, you never know what could happen. I said, listen, I don't have every answer about why and what happened to Eden. And I don't have every answer about what happened to the police chief uh, Simpson who had the accident on his motorcycle in 361, who loved Jesus. I don't have every answer about why good people pass away and die and people that love Jesus. I'm not God. But here's what I do know. You have two choices. Keep living in second-guessing what-ifs and fear land or trust in the, in the faithfulness and the kindness of the Lord. And the next thing is, is stop being consumed by all the news reports because you hear the craziest things that are out there and it's one in a million, but you heard about it and then suddenly the devil comes and says, that's going to happen to you. You need to really, really be careful what you listen and what you give yourself to. So walking in fear is never biblical. It's never biblical. So I called Brad McClendon. You ready to say something? I called Brad McClendon. I called Brad McClendon. I said, Brad, what do you think? He goes, oh, the spirit of death? Oh, yeah, I know him. I've seen him many times. I know, exa I know exactly who he is. He says, he'll do whatever you say. He's a real gentleman. He says, if you tell him to leave, he'll kindly and politely leave. He says, but if you come into agreement with him, then he has you. Because whatever you give yourself an agreement to, you become one with. That'd be good to have some spiritual papas in your life. I mean, seriously, guys. So what he said to me was, he said, don't come into agreement. He says, don't get up and start buying. He says, because once you get up and you start warfaring with them, then he's got you. But if you understand your power and authority and take your rest and not ever give in. Because you see, a lot of time our warfare is actually from a place of fear. We don't even realize it. But the devil's already defeated. So he said, don't do that. I said, oh, well, don't worry. I didn't. I just went back to bed. He goes, that was the right thing to do. He says, and one last thing he said, the suit. I said, oh, yeah, the suit. I wondered about the suit. He goes, well, you'll rec that suit is an indicator that you'll recognize him when he comes. He said, and the suit also represents the cloak of carnality. He says, because death can only reign where sin abounds instead of grace and where carnality 
abounds. So listen to this. This is Romans 8. I'll just give you this real quick. Romans 8. Well, let me just read to you verse 1. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So you're not condemned, which condemnation leads to death if you're in Christ Jesus. I got a simple solution for you. Get in Christ Jesus. It's like so easy. Just say yes. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So you learn now to not walk according to the old you and fleshly patterns, but now you start walking according to the Spirit, and you learn, and you discover, and you grow, and Jesus helps you in that process. Check this out, verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free from the law of sin and And then it's just awesome reading. I mean, killer reading in front of you. But just go to verse 8. I'm sorry, verse 6. For to be, here it is. Here's your answer. Look at the scripture on the screen. Let's read it together. You ready? For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and Peace now. Everybody say peace now. Not anxiety up all night because my mind was running around like a little factory. And it's my, I can, many times I look at Abraham like, I can hear your wheels in your head right now. Come here. And I put my hand on her head and I just say, in Jesus' name. Because what's the scripture? Is it 1 Corinthians 10 4? 1 Corinthians 10 4. Let's take a, let's take a shot at it. There we go. Just off a chapter, but hey, I was close enough. That's what I meant, a book. Now, watch this pattern. The weapons of our warfare aren't carnal. There's that word carnal again. But they're mighty through God of the pulling down of strongholds. What strongholds? Verse 5. Arguments. Here's the stronghold argument and every high thing that's exhausting itself against the knowledge of God and it bringing every into the captivity and obedience of Christ. This is like the core answer of battling mental anguish. Is that God has given you weapons. I just need to teach you how to use them. It's the whole brave heart thing. William Wallace got this sword from his dad who just got killed. He doesn't know how to use it, and he wants vengeance. And Uncle Argyle says, you need to learn how to get your thought life and not be angry. Billy's going to give you a word. Well, first of all, I want to tell everybody how real God is and how funny is. Yesterday, I was coming to town, and I needed to work on my truck. I've been working on it, and I can't get it, and I need to take it to a mechanic. I'm driving into Corpus yesterday, and I'm like, okay, what mechanic am I going to go to? And God says, number two, spark plug. And I'm like, okay, no, Lord, I need to take it to a mechanic. I'm not going to do it. He says, number two, spark plug. He says, trust me. And I'm like, okay, so I go home, I get into my truck, middle of the day, it is hot, I'm working on it, and I'm afraid that I'm going to break the spark plug down inside the motor. And I stopped and I prayed, and he said, trust me. Well, my truck wouldn't even go over 20 miles an hour. 
I've managed to change the spark plug. And then now it'll do 100 miles an hour. God is fun. He's a mechanic too. He, he loves everybody. So not only that, but do I get to go to work today? And I have over 20 people working for me. I get to tell everybody about it. And I told them, just like I'm going to tell you, this is real. There's nothing fake about this. When I go and I pray every day with my guys and everything at work, I pray over the day and I, I pray that angels are going to go out before them and watch over them and stuff. And so I got to testify to them this morning and, and just to see the eyes of these guys that are just from the streets just change. It's unreal. And yes, man, I get to testify to people all the time. And the devil told me before I came over here today because I'm going to kill you tonight. No, you're not. You don't have that right. <laughs> Jesus took that. Come on, give your best shot. You know, he can't do that. And he has wanted and said he's going to kill me many a times. And he's just not going to do it. But, um, <laughs> but I tell you what, and, and just so y'all understand, there's about 15 angels behind me right now. It's real. They're walking up and down the sides over here. They walk all over the place around here. There's no demons in here. They're all outside. What I feel coming from the doors right there would just blow your mind. But there's angels just walking around. You could literally just wave at them, and they wave at you. And they're here. I mean, and when we built this place right here, and Marlene was, was here this one night, we were unable to get a plumber to work back inside here. And one day I was coming to work. It was 6 o'clock in the morning. Boy, I was speaking in tongues. I was coming into Friar Bluff, and I said, I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to jump down in that hole down there, and I ain't coming up out of there, Lord, until you tell me what's going on. So all of a sudden, I see this demon over the top of Friar Bluff, and he's like this right here, and he's staring at me. I'm going to kill you. No, you're not. I come up over here, and I pull into the front, and I start walking to the back over here, and I could hear water just pouring down back inside one of the bed, one of the rooms back there. And so I go inside there, and I was going to attack this thing by myself. And I know that the Lord caused that water to leak in there to stop me. And so I go in there, and I call Katie. And I told her what was going on and uh, that the Lord had showed me there's a spirit of death back inside this bathroom back inside here. And we needed to deal with it. So she got with a couple of people, and we came in here, and right next to that column right there, we sat in here and praised and worshiped. And I closed my eyes, and when I opened my eyes, there was angels all the way around the room inside here. I closed my eyes again. There were so many angels in here, you couldn't have moved a quarter inch. There was thousands of them. The Lord showed me a vision from up above. There was 5,000 angels here circled out. And he told me, he says, when I leave, I'm leaving some with you. And we went back there and went into that bathroom, and we jumped down into that hole down there and took the oil, and we began praying over that. And the Lord showed me these doors close over the top of it and leather straps strap it down. It was a portal hole, and that thing got closed up back there. But that stuff still lives all over the place around here in Flower Bluff. When you leave here, the things that goes on out there is unreal. It's real, though. Everything. The angels, they're all over the place. The demons, they're all over the place. And if you give them that thought, they'll take it and run with it. And they'll do their best to kill you or, or bring you down. 
and Andrew Womack. I love watching Andrew Womack. I'm telling you what, there is life and death in the power of the tongue. And of all things, you speak life. And if anybody ever comes up and speaks death over you, you kill it right there where it is. You words of death. In Jesus' name, I command you to die at the roots. You cannot hit your target. People, sometimes they think that they're being nice or whatever when they come up. Well, it's okay. You have this, and, and you're probably going to make it. No, no, no. Stop it right there. Those words of death are the worst things in the world. That's what stops healing right there. You have to speak life, speak life, speak life all the time, no matter what it is. I am blessed and highly favored seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 60 seconds a minute. And if I wasn't, I'd still tell you I was because I'm speaking life. Even when you're sick. If, if you're sick or whatever, blood, but I ain't sick. I feel good. I feel wonderful. I'm healed. You know, I used to have high blood pressure and diabetes. Over a year ago, I stopped taking my pills. I don't have that anymore. I've lost about 35 pounds within the last year. Hey, maybe that's what God did to pull the diabetes from me. I don't know. But I don't have that stuff anymore. I stopped taking them pills. I wanted to for a long time. And I just, I feared it. And then all of a sudden one day I'm like, you know what? I don't have diabetes. You know, when they spoke that stuff over me, them words died. I killed them, man. I mean, in Jesus' name. And you know what? Being healed, you know, Jesus told his disciples, go heal people. We all have that right to heal you, to lay hands on you, to look at you and say, you are healed in Jesus' name. It's already yours. Everybody's already healed. You just got to reach out there and grab a hold of it. That's good stuff. All right. Uh, Mark 16. Verse 16. And then we're going to pray. So the Lord gave you power and authority. And he made it very clear that when we believe and enter into agreement, we won't walk in condemnation. Don't listen to the accuser's voice anymore. Okay? That's what he does. You could see yourself the way I, the way I see you, the way Jesus sees you especially. It's a game changer. This condemnation thing is just wreaking havoc because there's this fear that you're going to fail or that you're not accepted or you're not good enough or you're never going to measure up. That's a lie. God made you. He created you. And then he says, you have power and authority. Verse 17, these signs will follow those that believe in my name. These are signs that follow believers. And he goes on to say that in my name, they will deal with all demonic activity. Okay? He goes on to say, speak with new tongues, verse 18. And I'll leave you with this. When the enemy came to me, came uh, to my buddy that comes here, the devil came with a finger here going, shh. And I want you to notice how I'm dealing with it. And I want you to understand that the, the enemy would say, you better not even try to talk about this. You better not. Even, but it's, the Bible's already talked about it a lot. I mean, holy cow, a lot. So I don't even have to be like, because there's no pomp and arrogance. It's confident understanding. And so the word snake, you know, the word scorpion is the, the word skeptic in Greek. And the word snake 
is the understanding of crafty, deceptive, cunning, and extremely quiet. It's like, uh uh-uh. God gave me the dream to expose it. And now we expose it to bring healing and to bring life. Okay? I didn't even get to the, this understanding of the final death, the final thing to be swallowed up is death, the final enemies destroyed. I'll save that for another time because there's a lot to that. But what I want to do right now is I want to pray for you. I want you to pay attention, be smart. 1 Peter 5.8 says, be sober and be vigilant. Everybody say sober and vigilant. Okay, so you be vigilant, not a vigilante. You be vigilant, meaning you be diligent and you be focused and you be attentive and you pay attention. And the enemy reveals all these things and where the roots are. So if you're battling depression, mental anxiety, fear, sleepless nights, any of that, start studying scriptures that talk about sleep. Mark and I were having this conversation. So I was like, okay, let's, let's warfare together by coming into agreement with scriptures on sleep. There's a whole lot of promises about God giving us sweet sleep. The devil doesn't want you rested in the natural or spiritually. So he attacks your sleep. But God gives you spiritual rest. And now you're going to enter into that. Stand up, please. Come here, Billy. Why don't you pray a prayer corporately over everybody right now? And then while Billy's praying, I want all my prayer partners to come up, all my ministry team. If you are battling heavy spirit of death, if you're battling fear, worry, anxiety, let somebody lay hands on you and pray for you. Come on, don't go home with that thing tonight. You see all the people here that are coming up. We have an army that is committed to stand together with you. You are not alone. One of the best things you can do is just bring it to the light. Okay, so start coming up. If you want somebody to pray for you, and just bring it to the light right now. Just get in front of somebody. Billy, you step up here with me. Billy can pray for any of you. By the way, you really want Billy to pray for you. You just, every time he's up here, you get with him. I don't care what you got to do. Grab him in the hall. Grab him wherever. Just don't grab him when he's riding his motorcycle. But let somebody come up. Billy's going to close us out tonight. I love you guys. I love y'all a lot. Be free. Be free. In Jesus' name.